I was born again in 1975 on August the 5th. God spoke to me in the night while I was reading a book. And God said, Joan, you know these mistakes you've been making all these years? Those weren't mistakes. Those were sins. And I said, sins? I thought they were mistakes. At that point, I was born again. I had been baptized in water when I was 15 years old. My parents did not go to any church. I would go to church with my favorite aunt when we visited her in the city where she lived. She attended Church of Christ. When I was 15, I went forward at Church of Christ and was baptized in water, and I thought I was a Christian. But nothing changed in my life. I would have identified myself as being a Christian. Then, in 1975, when I was approximately 37 years old and God spoke to me, I knew I had not been a Christian before that time. Now I knew I was changed. I knew what it was to be born again. It was totally different from going forward and being baptized at church and thinking that caused me to be a Christian. Now I was changed. I was given a new heart. I was given the Holy Spirit, a new spirit to lead me and to guide me. I had everything at that point. And my life was completely different after God spoke those words to me. I no longer wanted to run around with the people I'd been with. Now I wanted to go to church. Now I wanted to know things of God. I wanted to read the Bible. I wanted to be around people of God. It was a total change in me. A few nights after God spoke that to me, causing me to be born again, in the night while I was sleeping, I was transported into heaven. I was with God. I was with Christ. I was with the Holy Spirit. I saw no physical images. It was a spiritual experience. But at that time, I was merged into the body of Jesus, made one with the Word of God, God and the Holy Spirit witnessing. It was wonderful. I was really on fire for things of God. A few nights later, the exact same thing happened a second time. I had no idea what these things meant. I thought it happened to every person who was born again. I thought this was what being born again meant. I was having breakfast one morning with a young friend of mine. He had been raised Catholic and had been born again about six months before I was. Bill talked about church constantly. I thought he was crazy, and then I was born again. So then Bill wasn't crazy anymore. And I said to him one morning when we were having breakfast, I said, Bill, you are right. This thing about being a Christian is wonderful. The thing I like best is that thing that happens to you in the night. Bill was very much like a St. Bernard puppy in character. He was eating his food, just shoveling it into his mouth as fast as he could, paying almost no attention to what I was saying until I said that. I said, I like that thing that happens to you in the night. And he said, what thing? And he was still eating. And I said, well, I don't know what it's called. It's when you're taken into heaven and you're with God and you're with Christ. You're with the Holy Spirit. I like that thing. And he, by that time, 
had put his spoon down and was staring directly at me, and he said, What are you talking about? That's the first moment that I realized this didn't happen to every person who was a Christian. And he said to me, Have you told Donna about this? Donna was my best friend who was raised Baptist. And I said, I haven't told anybody about this. I thought this is what happened to you when you became a Christian. We had no idea what was going on. Bill didn't, I didn't, Donna didn't. She's very emotional. She just sat there and cried while I told her. We didn't know what this meant. I didn't tell anyone else about it. I just didn't know what it was. But I was reading a book at that time about the Exodus and Moses. And the author said, sometimes when God calls a person to do a work, something kind of unusual happens to that person. And that's the only thing I could relate to, that this being taken into heaven twice and merged into the body of Jesus twice had something to do with some type of calling on my life. I had no idea what it could be. The very, very small amount of experience that I had had was in the Church of Christ. They taught what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 14, Let your women keep silence in the churches, for it is not permitted unto them to speak, but they are commanded to be under obedience as also saith the law. And if they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is a shame for women to speak in the church. I owned a small business at that time. I was not married and had never been married. I looked in the scriptures in the New Testament to see what women did in the church. I knew they couldn't speak in the church, but I didn't know what it was that they might do in the church. I found the scriptures where Paul said, He wanted them to marry and have children and take care of their children and take care of their husband and help their husband and teach the younger women to be godly. Well, I just broke out crying. I'm not a person who often cries because when I was a child, if I cried, my mother would kind of beat me with a switch. She did not permit me to cry. But I did cry when I read that. There was no place for me in the church. Though I was now born again, there was no place for me. I couldn't speak in the church. I had no husband and children, so I didn't fit anywhere. And I just sat there in my office and cried. It was a very difficult experience for me. And then I thought, well, the one thing I can do, my business was making quite a bit of money at that time. It was right in the middle of the peak of the Indian arts craze in the United States, 1975. So people were buying art objects just right and left. And that was my business. And I thought, well, The one thing I can do is give money to the church. That's the one thing I can do. So I told the three women who worked for me that our major goal in going forward would be to make money and give it to the church. After I was taken into heaven twice, God began teaching me from the Bible. Old and New Testament. By his spirit, he was teaching me. I was attending church. I was going to a prayer group. But at home, I was reading the Bible constantly, and God was teaching me by his spirit. And we covered everything in the Old and New Testament. Everything. 
This was over a period of about four years. And during this time, I had these three very competent women working for me in my business. So they could run the business without me at all. The only thing I did is I went out to the reservations in New Mexico. I lived in Dallas at the time. I went to the reservations in the in New Mexico, USA, and bought merchandise for the business from the artist and stocked the shop. And they ran it and sold the merchandise. And then I did appraisals of Indian art objects, so I would have to go into the shop for appraisals. But the rest of the time, I didn't even have to go into the shop. They opened it, they closed it, they took care of everything. I stayed home and read the Bible for four years or more. During that period of time, God led me to live a little different life. I didn't watch television. I didn't go to football games. I didn't hear the news or anything. I just stayed home and read the Bible and did what I felt God showed me to do every day. And then after I would do that, whatever it was he showed me to do, he might show me to go and ask someone to forgive me. Something like that. And then I returned to my apartment and read the Bible. This went on for at least four years. I can give you this illustration. One time I was on a buying trip in New Mexico, and my parents lived in New Mexico. And I was in a car with them, and we were riding along the highway, and my dad mentioned someone named Jimmy Carter. And I said, who's that? And they were all shocked. He had just been elected president of the United States, and I had never heard of him. That's how isolated I was during that period of time. So God showed me during that short period of time, four years or so, just stay home and read the Bible buy the merchandise for the shop, do the appraisals, let the women run the shop. And that's what I did. So God took me through the Old Testament and New Testament and taught me, taught me many things. I had no idea that God was preparing me to be a minister. Several Basically, years passed, at least three years, in that form of isolation where I was being trained by God. And then when he opened my eyes to see that I was to be a minister, how can this be? I'm a woman. Women can't speak in the church. So how can I be a minister? I asked God these questions. He began explaining it to me. I'm going to share with you today the things he showed me. It's not to try to prove anything to you. God had to prove it to me to get me to do the work to which I was called to do. Because what little church background I had was Church of Christ, and it was that women could not speak at the church. However, they would let women teach young children at Bible classes. Now, some of this didn't make any sense to my mind because I knew the church was where two or more are gathered together in the name of the Lord. It didn't have anything to do with the church gathering being the 11 o'clock service on Sunday morning. It had to do with two or three individuals meeting together in the name of Jesus. They could be in a living room. The early church met in homes. 
They didn't have church buildings in the early church in the days of Paul. So I knew that. But to show you how severe my thinking was on this subject, after I was born again, I contacted Dallas Theological Seminary and told him I would like to have one of their students come to my business once a week and teach a Bible class. So I set it up with a seminary for this young man to come to my business to teach Bible class at noon on Wednesday each week. The first time we met at my shop, the young man, before he taught the class, said to me, would you like to open our class with prayer? And I was shocked. I said, oh, I can't pray with a man in the room. He said, you can't? And I said, no. Well, of course, I was wrong. But that's what my teaching, as I understood it, from Church of Christ to say. So I took this very seriously even before I was born again. Now let's look at what Paul said in the Bible, and let me show you what God said to me. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 34 and 35. Paul says, Let your women keep silence in the churches, for it is not permitted unto them to speak, but they are commanded to be under obedience, as also saith the law. And if they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is a shame for women to speak in the church. So I said to God, what about this? And here is what God said to me. Look at what these women were doing. So I went back and reread 1 Corinthians 14, 34, 35. What were they doing? Let your women keep silence in the churches, for it is not permitted for them to speak, but they are commanded to be under obedience, as also saith the law. And if they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home. When I read that, I felt very strongly that Paul was speaking concerning women who were asking questions in the gathering of the church and disrupting the flow of the Holy Spirit. They met at home at those times. They were meeting in home groups. It would be much easier for it to be out of control and for women to take over with asking questions. Women do this. I see them ask questions, sometimes even pretending that they want to know the answer to the question when actually they just want to take over and get the platform. Now, this is what I felt God was showing me. And the second thing God did is take me to a passage of Scripture in Acts 21. Start at verse 8. And the next day, we that were of Paul's company departed and came unto Caesarea, and we entered into the house of Philip the Evangelist, which was one of the seven, and abode with him. And the same man, Philip, had four daughters, virgins, which did prophesy. I'd already learned from God by reading the Old Testament scriptures that prophets were sent to the church, not to the world. I learned that in Ezekiel. Chapter 3. God had taught me thoroughly about prophets. Well, I read this scripture about these four daughters of Philip's, and they 
prophesied to the church. They had to have spoken in order to prophesy. And prophecy is for the church, not for the world. So I knew this was like a confirmation concerning what I thought God was showing me. I I thought God was showing me that Paul was speaking of women who were out of control at church and were interrupting the church service, especially with questions. And he says, if any of you will learn anything, ask your husbands at home. And I felt these were specific problems in the church. I've seen problem women in church groups. I went to one non-denominational group one time looking for a church to attend. The pastor was teaching the Sunday school lesson. All of a sudden, a woman jumps up and waves her hands in the air and says, Praise the Lord! Praise the Lord! And everyone gets excited. They think that's the Holy Spirit falling on this woman, causing her to do this. I knew it wasn't. That's not the Holy Spirit. That's another spirit. She ran all the way around the auditorium, waving her hands and saying, Praise the Lord. And finally, she reached the place where she had been sitting. She sat back down. Everybody except me was excited. The people in the auditorium, the pastor, everybody was excited and laughing, thinking the Holy Spirit had fallen on this woman. That is not what the Holy Spirit does. And when I got to the car, I said, Now, I didn't stop the woman. I was not in charge of that meeting. Had I been in charge, like Paul, I would have stopped this woman dead in her tracks. That's out of order in the gathering of the church. That does not edify anyone, and it is not even the Holy Spirit. The work of the Holy Spirit, Jesus says, is the following. The Holy Spirit is given to teach us all things, to remind us of everything Jesus has said to us, to guide us into all truth, and to show us things to come. That's in John chapter 14, verse 26, and in John chapter 16, verse 13. God had been teaching me about the Holy Spirit in depth of what the Holy Spirit does. I knew that wasn't the Holy Spirit in that woman. That woman was out of control in the gathering of the church. And she was interrupting the pastor's sermon, and she was taking control. I was horrified at what I saw. When I got to the car, I said to God, I know this is not the Holy Spirit. God took me to 1 Corinthians 14 to confirm to me this was not the Holy Spirit in that woman. In the days when I was in the Church of Christ, which was the 1950s, before I was born again in 1975, they were basically not wanting any focus on the Holy Spirit. Their favorite scripture was in Acts, and it is repent and be baptized. And they left the part of that scripture off which says, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. They just left that off of their printed material. But they like to quote, repent and be baptized. So we didn't hear anything about the Holy Spirit at all in those days, but it wouldn't have mattered much to me because I wasn't born again anyway. It was after I was born again that God began teaching me about the Holy Spirit, and following the Spirit of God. And as a new Christian, he taught me three sections of Scripture. John chapter 14, verse 26. Jesus says, When the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, is come, he shall teach you all things. 
and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. And another section of scripture, John chapter 16, verse 13, Jesus speaks again about the work of the Holy Spirit in the believer. John chapter 16, verse 13, Jesus says, Howbeit when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, of his own ideas, but whatsoever he shall hear from God, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. So we see four things here that Jesus does for each of us in the New Testament church who have been born again. We are sealed with the Holy Spirit of God, and the Holy Spirit lives in us when we are born again. And the Holy Spirit does these four things. He teaches us all things. Now, I've always thought that was spiritual things as well as secular things. We can turn to him for help. We can turn to God for help and for wisdom, asking him what to do about our business, what to do about our family, what to do in problems of this life. Actually, in James chapter 1, verse uh, 5, God says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who giveth to all liberally, and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. So it's not just wisdom about spiritual things, but it's wisdom about secular things. I had a business in Dallas, which I ran by these principles all the time. When I got ready to go out to the reservation to buy art objects for my business, I would pray in advance and ask God to have the Indian artist make the art object. Then when I got to the reservation, I was praying, asking God to show me which items I needed to buy for my shop. And then when I returned to Dallas, I was praying, asking God to send out the angels to bring in the customers to buy the art object. I never had a sale at my shop. I never reduced the price of an art object. I never had to because Everything was under the control of God. But I lived by these scriptures of the Holy Spirit. I lived by them constantly, and I ran my business by these scriptures and my life. So Jesus says, John chapter 14 and 16, he says, the Holy Spirit will do these things for us. He teaches us all things. He reminds us of everything Jesus has said unto us. He guides us into all truth, and he shows us things to come. When I was a young Christian, my best friend Donna, who was raised Baptist, said, Joni, you've got to start memorizing scripture. And I said, I do? And she said, yes. So she said, I have enrolled you in Bible memory association and what you will do is you have to memorize one scripture a week and you will quote it to me your sponsor and I will turn it in to them that you pass the test that was one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life one scripture a week but when God taught me what the Holy Spirit does and I depended on the Holy Spirit, I knew that all I had to do was pay attention to the Holy Spirit and live that scripture. And if I live the scripture, it's not going to be hard to quote the scripture. So it's a completely different thing from a fleshly way of man devised to get you to memorize scripture. All you have to do is read the Bible, pay attention to the Holy Spirit, 
who brings scripture to your mind, focus on that scripture which he brings to your mind. Do that scripture for a season and you won't have any trouble calling scripture to mind because you're living the scripture. It's a part of you. Now, the second thing about the Holy Spirit is he lives in us. It's not that we conjure anything. He's there at all times. And he guides us by the will of God as needed. Uh, For example, in 2021, all of a sudden, I was bombarded with fearful thoughts. You're 83 now. At 83, what if you get to where you can't walk? If you get to where you can't walk, you can't live where you live now. You'll have to go to assisted living. What will you do then? And I was just bombarded with all these thoughts. And I cried out, God, help me. And I heard, God will supply all your need. I said, oh, yes, that's right. See, we don't have to worry about Remembering Scripture, the Holy Spirit will remind us of Scripture. And that's exactly what Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 26, that when the Spirit of truth has come, he will remind you of everything that Jesus has said unto you. So we're sort of like computers. We read the Bible, do the Bible, and then we are programming that Scripture into you by reading the Bible and doing the Bible. And when It is needed. It's in you, just like something that you put in a computer is in the computer. And we're following the Holy Spirit, not following the plans of human beings to get us to be spiritual. In 1 Corinthians 3, verse 16, the Apostle Paul says, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God? We are the church. It's not that building over there that's the church. We're the church. Know ye not that ye are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? I attended a luncheon at Texas Tech University in Lubbock, Texas. It was downtown in a five-story building and it overlooked the First Methodist Church building. A woman at the table where I was seated looked out that window and pointed down to that church building and said, that is our church. And I said, we are the church. She was horrified. She became very angry at me, and she said, No, I'm not the church. That's the church. The building's the church. That's our church. And I said once again, We are the church. See, this woman didn't have any idea what the church was. The church are us, the individuals who have been born again, who have the Spirit of God. Romans chapter 8, verse 14. And as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. That's how you recognize the real Christians. They're led by by the Spirit of God. Another very important section of Scripture, if you want to study about the Holy Spirit, is 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Just start at verse 1 where Paul talks about the way God taught him to preach the gospel. Paul said, And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. He wasn't working to try to figure out what to say. He got in front of the people and spoke according to what the Holy Spirit brought to his mind. That's totally different from the way many ministers do. Paul said, For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and him crucified, and I was with you in weakness and in fear and in trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom. He didn't 
figure out clever things to say to the church to entice them and impress them. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And what God taught me from this is just get up there in front of them, and whatever I call to your attention, speak that. That is being led by the Spirit of God. Read the Bible, get the scripture in you, do the scripture, but speak what I give you, and that will meet the needs of the people who hear you. Well, I can't meet your needs because I don't know what your needs are, but God does, and therefore he can cause me to yield to the Holy Spirit and speak what you need to hear at this point in time. And that's exactly what Paul was telling us that he did. Now, as far as individuals in the church following the Spirit of God, look at verse 9. But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him, but God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the Spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man, but the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the things of the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things we also speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But we can know them when we're born of the Spirit of God and have the Spirit of God living in us to teach us and guide us and to remind us of everything Jesus has said and to show us things to come. The Holy Spirit searches the heart of God to show us the will of God so we can know the will of God in the specific problems that arise in our lifetime on this earth. We can know what to do. We have God's wisdom, not our own wisdom. We have God's wisdom, and God knows the future. Well, another thing that God showed me as a new Christian concerning women and the use of women by God in the church, so to speak, had to do with Deborah the prophetess. She was an Old Testament prophet. She was also a judge appointed by God over the children of Israel. You can read about Deborah in Judges 4. We'll read a little bit about her. And the children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord sold them into the hand of Jabin, king of Canaan, that reigned in Hazor, the captain of whose host was Sisera, which dwelt in, among the Gentiles. And the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, for he had nine hundred chariots of iron, and twenty years he mightily oppressed the children of Israel. God's going to raise up Deborah to judge and to lead the army of Israel. Verse 4 of Judges 4. And Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lapphidoph, she judged Israel at that time. And she dwelt under the palm tree of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in Mount Ephraim. And the children of Israel came up to her for judgment. 
At verse 6, Deborah is going to contact one of the captains of the army of Israel with a message. And she sent and called Barak and said to him, Hath not the Lord God of Israel commanded, saying, Go and draw toward Mount Tabor and take with thee ten thousand men of the children of Naphtali and of the children of Zebulun? And God said, I will draw unto thee to the river Kishon, Syria, the captain of Jabin's army, and his chariots and his multitude, and I will deliver him into thine hand. Here is this captain of the army of Israel that has heard what to do, but he hasn't done it. And Deborah, this prophet, is telling him, hasn't God said for you to do this? And Barak, who was the captain, he said unto her, If thou, to this is Deborah the prophetess, a woman, he said, If thou wilt go with me, then I will go. But if thou wilt not go with me, then I will not go. And she said, I will surely go with thee. This is a woman that has been appointed a judge over the nation of Israel in the Old Testament. So God led me to all these things to get me to do the work that I do today. The two offices that I have been appointed by God are apostle and prophet. Apostle simply means that I am given an anointing by God concerning the word of God that I'm going to try to get you as individuals to pay attention to the Holy Bible because many of the churches have departed from Scripture and explained away Scripture. And the second calling that I have is prophet. I attended Word of Faith outside of Dallas from 77 into 82. And during that time, God gave me several spiritual gifts. At our Sunday school class, our Bible teacher would always say, if anyone has a word from the Lord, please speak that word now. Well, I often had a word from God, and so I spoke the word. Upon the invitation of the Bible teacher, I felt that was totally proper. The pastor at the 11 o'clock service never, I don't ever remember him saying, if anyone has a word from the Lord, please share it. I never remember him saying that, but the Bible teacher always said it every Sunday morning, and I shared every Sunday morning with our church group as he invited us to share. I don't ever remember having a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom at the 11 o'clock service, but there was no invitation given by the pastor to share that word. And so God didn't burden me by giving me a word which I couldn't share. By 1980, God had persuaded me that I was to be a minister, and he had taught me concerning both apostles and prophets. I closed my business on July 31st, 1979 to go into the ministry there wasn't any place basically for me to go I didn't try to go to any place I just waited for five and a half months at one point a job became available for Dean of Women at Christ for the Nations in Dallas but I did not apply for that job because I felt God had taught me concerning Apostle Prophet, and that was the work I was to do, but I didn't have any place to do the work. I didn't know any church that would have allowed me to speak the Word of God freely. I didn't, I, I didn't know any what to do. I just sat at my apartment in Dallas and continued to wait until God showed me what to do. For five and a half months, I supported myself by 
the money that I had from the sale of all the merchandise at my business. On January the 10th, 1980, I was asleep in the night, and I was awakened by a very loud trumpet-like voice speaking three words into my ear. Hartford, Seattle, KWJS. I jumped out of bed and quickly wrote KWJS on a notepad. To me, it was call letters to either radio or television, and I didn't want to get the letters mixed up. So I wrote it on a notepad. I looked up KWJS, and I found it to be a radio station. So I said to God, Are you telling me to go on radio? And I said, I'm a writer, not a speaker. And then I said to God, I I wouldn't know how to do that, to go on radio. And instantly the Holy Spirit said, call the radio station manager. So that same morning, I looked up the phone number for radio station KWJS and called the radio station manager. And he came on the phone immediately. And I said to him, God might be showing me to go on radio. How would you do that? And he said, make an audition tape, 29 and a half minutes long. Send it to me. If you fit our programming, we will offer you a contract. After I got off the phone, I immediately made an audition tape 29 and a half minutes long. It wasn't edited or anything. I just set my kitchen timer and began speaking into my tape recorder and made an audition tape by the things that God brought to my mind, just like he had taught me to do, not planning ahead, just speaking the scriptures and the concepts brought to my mind. I mailed it that same day to the station manager. Within five days, I was broadcasting exhortations for the church on radio station KWJS. Five days a week, Monday through Friday, for 30 minutes a day. I did that for several years. In the year 2012, it was approximately March 27th of 2012, I had a dream, and in this dream, a woman was singing to a group of people, a small group of people. And I said, she has a little voice, but it's a nice little voice. And then, all of a sudden, it turned into a blog. And I knew God was showing me to start a blog. I called Pam Paget, who lived in Colorado Springs. I lived in Texas. Pam had been a computer programmer for FedEx and had just recently retired. And I asked her, I said, Pam, do you, could you set up a blog for the ministry? And she said, well, I don't know anything about doing that, but I probably could. So I said, well, we need one set up. Pam began praying, and she felt, that God was showing her, make it simple. Just make it simple. She just chose perfectly for us, guided by God. Within two to three days, we were publishing on our blog. We were so shocked because the first day we received two responses from Germany. It never even occurred to us this message that we wrote was going to go all over the world. World Wide Web. It never occurred to us. We have published continually daily on that blog since that time. It was the end of March 2012. Then in the year 2020, the first week of February, I had a dream where 
I opened my front door and kittens were everywhere, all the way on both sides of the front door, and some of them were starving to death. They were all waiting for me to feed them, just waiting at my front door. I went into the garage at my house, and kittens were in the garage waiting to be fed. They were everywhere, and I said to God, What does this mean? How can I feed all these kittens? What does it mean? And I heard the word podcast. Pam had already had that word called to her attention, and she told me about it. I was considering going back on radio at the time, but I thought the podcast sounded great because unlike radio, the podcast, you could store up messages and people could read them anytime, whereas radio, it's a one-time shot. If you don't hear it that day of the broadcast, it's over. And when I went to see how much the podcast would cost us, we had to have a podcast host, and our host charged $100 a year. A year! It was just so easy to do it. I bought recording equipment and began immediately recording podcasts. And I record daily. I mean, every day we have a new new podcast. Because God showed me in the Bible, he gave me a gift of exhortation. And then he showed me two sections of scripture, Hebrews chapter 3, which says, Exhort one another daily. And then in Hebrews ten twenty five, it says, exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day of the Lord approaching. So that's the way God showed me to do this. So that's the way I do it. When you are following God, there is one question to ask yourself. Did God tell me to do this work? And how did he tell me? How do I, I mean, what evidence do I have? See, I have a bunch of evidence here of going on radio, of starting the blog, of starting podcasts. I have solid evidence of God leading me. Now, you might not believe it or you might believe it, but what's important is I have to believe it. And when you think you've heard a word from God, you're the one who has to believe it, not your friend or your neighbor or even your church group. You have to believe it. So you need strong evidence as an anchor for what you do. And you want to always say, is it God who showed me to do this thing? And when you have that, you have the anchor for your soul to go forward in the work. Thank you for allowing me to speak with you today.